Hello and welcome to My Life on the Line, a podcast by RefCoach. I'm Jack and once again I'm joined by Benji and Ale. Our guest today is Adrian Bacariza. Adrian is the referee manager for the Football Association of Gibraltar. Refereeing in Gibraltar certainly has some unique challenges being a very small country with a population of just over 30,000. That's less than most European stadiums hold. Gibraltar also only has one football stadium with every team in the league using it as their own ground. A very unique situation. Very unique indeed, Ale. We chat with Adrian all about refereeing in Gibraltar and the unique challenges which they face. We also talk about how, despite these challenges, refereeing in Gibraltar is going from strength to strength and they now have FIFA-listed officials, which is amazing for a country of that size. Adrian gives us some great insight into how a smaller federation runs football and refereeing, and we were fascinated by what he had to tell us. I recommend a on-field review. Stop it, stop it, stop it! Good evening, good evening for you. Good morning, how you doing? Yeah, morning. That's right. Yeah, morning for us. Yeah. Adrian, thank you again for joining us. I actually saw today there in Gibraltar you started training together again. I saw a post of yours on LinkedIn. Is that true? Yes. Um, we started collective training last week. In fact, it was when we trained collectively on Wednesday and Friday last week. Oh, fantastic. Same as the clubs. We were given a permit by the Public Health of Gibraltar to train, obviously with all these COVID restrictions and, and protocols that we have to keep in place. And uh, yesterday we got the good news that the league will restart on the 22nd of February. Oh, awesome. Well, that's that's great news. Obviously, you as the referee manager in Gibraltar, which you've been doing that for what, seven years? Or? Seven, seven and a half years now. Seven and a half years now, yeah. so a fair bit. Obviously, yeah. COVID definitely would have impacted you quite a lot. Yes. It did. It, it, it practically stopped everything. Gibraltar came to a standstill. We had a complete lockdown in, in March, straight through to, to, to May. Yeah, so how, how did your referees and how do you guys sort of organise yourself to cope with the, with the lockdown and obviously the absence of football for what was definitely a long period of time? We, we managed to keep our referees training fitness-wise training from home. So our fitness coach was quite busy with them, sending them online online programs. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I used the time to get to do things that we normally don't have the time when we were so involved uh, with, uh, with football. We had in the pipeline to go onto online platform learning and all this, what I managed to, to get off the ground during lockdown. Uh, we've got a, I don't know if you've heard of this, but we've got a, a online platform, education platform called CloudLab. Uh, it's the company Paiva Media, oh, yeah. which does the videos for WEFA, yeah, WEFA databases on FIFA. So with, we subscribed to CloudLab, obviously we did some trials and now referees get uh, often get uh, video trivias, uh, presentations, video tests through through the CloudLab uh, platform. Uh, we also went into a, into a community spirit and we did challenges with fitness. We had to climb, as a, as a, as a group, referees had to climb equivalent of the, the height of Mount Everest as they did training in Gibraltar and as we were rock and uh, got quite a, quite a few hills. Um, even I took part in that and we raised money towards the the, the charity that was helping the, the Gibraltar Health Authorities in, in combating uh, COVID. So we also put a little bit of a, a little uh, grain of sand towards 
the community help towards COVID uh, issues. That's fantastic. I, uh, I, when I was doing some research before we talked to you, Adrian, I was on the Gibraltar FA website and saw uh, your online courses to become a new referee. So have they always been online or is that part of the transition with this new program you've got going, the, the online referees course is part of it? Yeah, it's part of uh, what happened with COVID. I already had thought about this because uh, because we we traditionally run run uh, the, the beginners course over a over a, a, a number of evenings and normally it's a, a week slot, yeah, Monday to Friday thing. But we were starting to get young young people saying, "But I haven't got the time for my studies and and work. I haven't got the time to spend fifteen hours with you guys in the evenings, Monday to Friday." Um, so one one of our younger referees said, "Wait." Don't we do something uh, like we can we can Skype the, 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 as we run the course and they can go online? But I realized that uh, the, the Welsh FA had gone down that route already. They had already done an online beginners course. So I got in touch with them and we managed to to design a, a, a beginners course for, for referees in Gibraltar. And we actually launched it in, uh, I think it was 1st of November. We actually launched it. We took some time doing the trials using some RFEs as guinea pigs to, to get them through how it was. I had to do it as well to find out how it worked. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we've got it run, run, running. on running. And how has it gone? Because obviously now a referee can do the course whenever they want, rather than it having to be at a set time, which I think would be really useful. That's right. Um, uh, it's very useful. At, at the moment, we, we, we have a very small number of them taking taking it. We launched it thinking that, okay, if we won't get another lockdown, uh, schools will not be affected because we target schools and, and the college, the, the College of Federal Education, because they have in the curriculum, they've got to do sports officiating. So we managed to attract some of them through there. But obviously, because of health issues and, and recommendations from public health, uh, the, the college, for example, stopped offering sports studies because they couldn't do the practicals for, for this year. Mm-hmm. And, and the, 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 the secondary schools are in similar lines. So that has in a way, stopped the the, the the influx of participants that, we were, that I was hoping to get in our first couple of months online. But we keep on working and, and hoping that things catch up. And when we come back in the next academic year, in September, then we start getting some young people, students, getting into the, into the online course. Yeah, that's very interesting. I jumped a gun a little bit to start with because I was really, I was really curious uh, after I saw that uh, you guys started getting together again as referees training. But I thought... You know, maybe why don't we just backtrack a second and sort of try and uh, describe and talk about uh, how football works in Gibraltar because it's obviously a, a quite unique situation you have there. I know in the initial meeting when, when we first met, uh, you sort of described it to us a bit and you have a very uh, unique way of operating the league and, and referees themselves as well. We've got the National League, that's our top league. The, the winner goes into the Premier Rounds for the Champions League and the runner-up and third place go into the mm. Europa League or now the new competition, the, I think it's UEFA Conference League or something like that's what it's called. And the Cup winner, the National Cup winner also goes into European competitions. Below the National League, we've got the Under-23, into what we call the Intermediate League, Under-23 League, and that's those clubs with their, with their, with their Under-23 teams, basically. Below that, we, we go into the youth system, and we've got Under-16s, Under-14s, and all that grassroots. The Gibraltar FA offers organised football as from the age of five to 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 both uh, boys and girls. We also have a women's league. There's only, there's only, at the moment, there's only three clubs participating. And at one stage, there was four. And apart from all that, the GFA also runs uh, futsal leagues. Um, so in relation to referees, how it, how it goes is that 
One's a referee starts, depending on his age. If he's under the age of 18, he automatically becomes a Category 4. And he's offered matches in the under-10s to start getting used to, to, to the whistle and, and, and dealing with some of the coaches, which can be quite a challenge, and, and the parents, which can be worse. Uh, and um, if you are already 17, 18, then we actually use you, try to use you under-12s up. As they develop, they get up to the under-16s and they get in into the intermediate league as, as, as assistant referees. And from there, they move on to referees in the intermediate. I eventually, hope, and if they work well, they've got chances to get promoted to the National League as assistant referees if they decide to specialise as assistant referees. That's or referees. quite interesting. I, you know, because obviously, how many people is there in Gibraltar? We've got a population of... Thirty-four thousand. Thirty-four thousand. Like, yeah. So I'm, I'm just picturing in my head, you know, a referee on the weekend goes and referees a local team, and then you know, the day after, maybe it's referee under fourteens, and it's a referee that is in their mid twenties, and then the day after, this referee is a teacher and gets one of the kids that he just refereed over the weekend, yeah, yeah. and their parents were on the sidelines screaming at the referee. So there definitely must be some interesting yeah. dynamics that that happen. It, it is um, uh, because we're such a small community. The referee can be can be your friend uh, from childhood. The referee can be your teacher. The referee can be the. the the policeman in your in your own district, uh, the referee can be the firefighter. He can be friends of your parents because we are brought up with that. For us, it's not a, a an issue. But when we explain to to people from outside Gibraltar, they say, "But how can you referee a student whom you will have on Monday? Or how how can you referee as a policeman? How can you referee someone that you have policed?" So it's it's for for the for people outside Gibraltar, it's very difficult to understand. <laughs> we were brought up in that way, so. In effect, yeah. been refereeing one of my my, my relatives, and I, I remember I remember refereeing the boyfriend of one of my of oh. my daughters. <laughs> he would have been scared. <laughs> <laughs> How did that go? Tell us about that. <laughs> one of my daughters had a, had a boyfriend who used to play for one of the reserve teams of one of our top clubs, and uh, for some reason or other, I was appointed to this match. And I, I couldn't keep tag of or, or tag tags of every, everyone that I know to say, well, I might have an issue here, I might have an issue there. I would just go and referee the matches, not thinking because of small community, we just go and, and do it. And he was playing. Because no matter what, you'd know someone in every team anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and 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 I had reason to to caution him. So he complained to my to my my daughter at the time. <laughs> he doesn't like me. Showed me yellow card. He goes, I know. I was being nice to him. Tell him that I was being nice. <laughs> so yeah, that's those are the things that happen. Uh, we've had instances where where the referees have brothers on both both teams in our in our lower leagues. So so it, it goes down to that. Obviously, when, as 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 we progress and you come into the national league, which we avoid having that. We've, I've got two referees in the national league, and their their sons are playing in the national league or intermediate league. Where some, so we have to be careful. Not to use these two referees with teams that are that are competing directly with with where the sons are playing, so it's it's quite difficult. I keep telling our, my referees, don't let your sons and daughters play football. Go, to, they have to go to another sport until you retire. So, but that's the way it goes. That must make it very difficult trying to get all the appointments done um, for all different different games. Um, Adrian, I was going to ask, in terms of your referees that you get, you get a lot from Gibraltar, but I know you were telling us that you have 
some of the pool of your referees come across from Spain That's and right. how that works and how they fit into your system and some of the benefits and challenges of that. In Spain, uh, if by the age of 25, you are not in the third division, which is like a f- the equivalent of a, a, shall we say, the National League in, in England, just below the Football League. If you're not in that mm-hmm. division as a referee by the age of 25, they, they, you're take, taken off. Wow. That's cutthroat. Just imagine the amount of people that they have, eh? Yeah. Referees. If by the age of 25, you're not in, the, in, the, in their third division, uh, which is just one, one level below uh, what they call professional football. Um, uh, you're sent back to your, to your own town. You can only referee youth football in your own town. So all these referees that live in the, in the Spanish towns near Gibraltar, some of them, uh, they, they, they apply to come and join us. Obviously, they've got to show their refereeing credentials, uh, their experience. In fact, we have one, one of our National League referees is, is from La Línea, from the Spanish uh, town just across the border. And we have a, a, I think a number of assistant referees in our National League who also come from across the border. So they represent about 40% of our overall, overall referee family in Gibraltar. I was going to ask, because you said you, you cater for football from the age of five. And I'm thinking that would still require a pretty high number of referees. So that obviously, yep, the, yeah, so yep. obviously makes, makes the, number, the numbers add, add up. The age of, from the age of five up to the age of 10, a coach can referee those matches. Yeah, and volunteer coaches can referee, but we also have our own uh, under 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 sixteen referees doing the under tens and the under eights. Um, but I don't get involved in that. Then someone else worries about that. Once they get to the the, the under twelve competitions, then that's when we start through our grassroots referee manager. That's when we start appointing referees to those matches under twelve. When it starts getting competitive, from from under twelve up. Then it's all the, the, the GFA referee department that, that, that manages appointments. Want to get fitter than you've ever been before this off-season? Or perhaps just in-season, you want to be better prepared for your games? Head to our website at refcoach.org for some fantastic referee-specific training plans. They'll get you in the best shape you've ever been. Gibraltar, for, those, for our listeners who are coming on, Gibraltar is an incredibly... Uh, small place geographically, um, but in 2013, Gibraltar joined UEFA and in 2016, Gibraltar became an affiliated member of FIFA, which no doubt would have quite heavily changed the football landscape in Gibraltar and in particular your role in managing referees who now very quickly needed to get to the high standard of the FIFA list. Can you talk us through a bit about that process of becoming a part of, of UEFA and FIFA and, and your involvement um, from the referee side of things and then how the nature of your work and how the referees and, and everything in that respect has changed when you became a FIFA member associate? Before UEFA days, um, there, there, there wasn't any money, which is the, the main issue. There wasn't any money. So as, as referees, uh, um, we were managed by the equivalent of a referee manager, but it was a volu- on a voluntary basis. Uh, but his job was only making sure that referees turned up to their matches. There was no uh, fitness programs in uh, Each referee was left into their own devices and, and to come up with, ref- with training programs. If you liked it, uh, you would go up, up the ladder. We had a group of 
experienced referees who would, who'd, who would coach us. But there was no no uh, official setup on anything other than ref- the, the categories in refereeing and and everything was done with how you performed on the field of play, basically. There was no tracking on your fitness, no tracking on technical uh, issues other than maybe once a month we would meet as a group. But we, we didn't have any videos and things, all these all these things, that very amateur setup, but very good breeze for the way we were working. With with UEFA, I we before joining UEFA, we went on a roadmap with with them, and I was uh, earmarked by the Gibraltar FA to to start the referee setup within UEFA guidelines when, when, when UEFA has a referee convention, which sets the minimum standards that we have to meet. So I spent some time traveling. Uh, on UEFA, UEFA courses, uh, um, trying to, to set up the referee department in Gibraltar. So that first year, just before we became, we became members, quite, I was quite busy because I was still working full-time in my previous job uh, and had to cater for, for my travelling and, 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 and the amount of meetings that we had with UEFA people as they came over to, to visit us. Once we joined UEFA, my, my first challenge was getting, getting into the UEFA convention, being accepted into the UEFA referee convention. So then we started working towards getting our 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 systems in place so that UEFA could rubber stamp our our membership of the the, the UEFA referee convention that time as well. Um, and now all 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 the member countries in UEFA are, are members of the UEFA referee convention, and that means that you're setting the minimum standards set by UEFA. But being a UEFA member was not all was not all that we wanted. We also wanted FIFA, especially for referees, because if we're not fitting FIFA, we can't, we can't get FIFA listed referees. But that was another another battle, another 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 trip down very long hours working towards getting into FIFA. Um, but we already had we we're already members of the UEFA referee convention. So for in the referee sense of, of of things, nothing much changed other than we could now nominate uh, referees and assistant referees across all the categories that UEFA offers for international referees. So, and that happened for I think it was, if I remember correctly, for the first of January 2017 when we had our first uh, uh, referees uh, FIFA listed. How did things change for the referees when you became FIFA listed? Because obviously there is a, a very different level of expectation and professionalism, I'm sure from just being a, a referee in Gibraltar to, to going to that national stage. So it would be a, a big jump for a lot of the referees. Yes, it was. Um, and one of, the, one of the main things was, was uh, fitness training. Yeah. Um, that was one of the main things that we had to, 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 to instill in our referees. Uh, you have to remember that from, from having nothing, just refereeing in Gibraltar and we need for the love of the game, still the need for the love of the game, but meeting the standards that we set, the UEFA sets on fitness, and meeting the standards so that you can be nominated for FIFA listing. Um, because of our, our size, we, we only get one referee nominated and two assistant referees. But we also have futsal, beach soccer to, to nominate referees because of our size. We used to have a futsal referee listed. Because of circumstances, he, he had to call in a sabbatical for a couple of years. So when we haven't got futsal referees listed, neither do we have beach soccer. But uh, we are working on that. And another thing that we get our referees is that we, we have exchange programs with other countries in Europe, with other smaller countries. So we give opportunities to other referees who cannot make it to FIFA to actually go and referee in other, in other leagues in Europe. So we've got exchange programs. 
Which countries do you have those agreements with? That sounds like a really good idea. We've got, we've got, we've, we, yeah, we've got Malta, uh, Andorra, San Marino, and Wales. Although with Wales, we haven't actually refereed. We were caught up with the Wales referee exchange when lockdown started in March. So we had flown our referees for a match, and and their referees were about to travel to Gibraltar for for their match when Europe went into lockdown. Oh, no. Awful timing. Talk about awful, awful timing, timing. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> hopefully when all this is over with COVID, we can restart our exchange program. And we've got offers from other, we've got, we've got other countries interested as well. So Yeah, it sounds great. You can uh, you can come to Australia, Adrian. We can do an exchange. That, that, <laughs> that, would, be, that would be great. <laughs> I, I've been, I was in Australia about five years ago on holiday, Sydney. I finished a cruise in Sydney. Did you say, get to see any football? No, it was just getting off the cruise ship, staying there for a couple of days, and then getting a plane back to Gibraltar. And my wife would not have been impressed with me telling her, we're on holiday, but I'm going to a football match. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe next time you'll have to come out and, time, and make time. it a football trip. Um, yeah, next time. Have you found that the standard of refereeing and, and the professionalism has lifted in Gibraltar since you guys got your FIFA accreditation? Because obviously now you've got guys who are FIFA referees. Has it pushed the others to raise their standards to get there? Yes, it has. Um, we use our, our international referees as, 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 a, as, a, as leading examples of what our young referees can achieve. Um, and the, 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 so, so our young referees, it's, it's, in, it's in the lifestyle to train and, and take care of the bodies. UEFA also has another, another program, you may have heard of it, called Centre of Referee Excellence, and we're invited to send trios. So we had a number of young referees and assistant referees going through that system as well. And one of them, two of them are, uh, have managed to get a FIFA badge after going through that as well. So there are opportunities for our young referees and, and, and they know that because you know referee refereeing is is a is a lifestyle in itself. Change that we needed with our with our with our referees that we had pre wefa days. Um, which took its time. Um, but some obviously decided to to pack it in because they were getting on and did not want to do all that work that we wanted from them. Um, but again, we've got to be in such a small place. We need to use every referee available to, to cater for the amount. Although we are only 34,000, there's a lot of football. Although there's only one football stadium at the moment, there's a lot of football. So we need everyone. And the ones who work well and, and progress and we see something in them, then those are the ones that get into the National League, or initially in Intimate League and then National League. And being, being you know so close to those international referees, that have that sort of experience would be so good for younger referees that are coming through the ranks and want to learn because you could be able to, you know, when you're younger, especially you're kind of like a sponge, you, you absorb and learn as much as you can, especially when you are exposed to this sort of, um, these, these, these examples of people that made it to the higher ranks. So that would be just so great for them. Yep. In a small, in a small country also has the advantages that because of our numbers, we can, we can actually do a, a summer seminar and we invite all our referees. So you've got our FIFA listed referees, we've got your National League referees, I've got our Brussels referees in the same room. Um, we get welfare experts coming over to deliver presentations to our referees and we give this, this opportunity to Brussels referees. 
which in other countries might not happen because they've got so many that they cannot cater for everyone. So that, that's one of the things that we use to, to, to entice or to our, our very young referees. This is, this is out there. This is what you can achieve if you work well and you like it. Has the UEFA yeah. Nations League given your referees more opportunity? Obviously, it's become, uh, I think, better for the smaller international teams because it lets them play against countries who are similar, you know, Gibraltar against Malta, for instance, which would be a close competitive game instead of Gibraltar against, um, you know, maybe Spain, which would be, you know, a, a big gap in the, in, in the talent level. Has that benefited the referees yet or have, have you not really seen that? Um, we still haven't benefited as on the referee side of things from the, from the Nations League. Um, UEFA has a number of categories within the FIFA listed referees um, from, from elites, and that's what we're talking about Champions League, down to Category 3. So the vast majority of the countries start in Category 3, and the top leagues in Europe start in Category 2. Our referees are in Category 3. So the matches that they get are premier rounds of Europa League, they get under-21s, they get all these mini tournaments that go up around Europe in the different age groups that UEFA offers competitions. If you're performing well as a Category 3 referee, it's difficult for small countries, but you get into Category 2. And then you're, you're offered some, some matches in the, in the, in the in, in second rounds of, of Europa League before they, before they split into the groups. Um, so at the moment, we still haven't got into that, into that Category 2. It's, it's, it's a work in progress. That's the aim eventually. Uh, initial aim was to get a FIFA-listed referees. That was achieved. Next thing was to get them appointed to matches. That was that was achieved, and now we're working. The working progress to get see we in the in the in about five years time, more or less five six years time, we can get one of our referees into the category two. That's really interesting, and it, you know it's 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 great to hear that you've got these you know stepped goals. But it would be really really difficult um, for for your referees because they have the Gibraltar League, which is obviously quite a small league, so then. You, know, you you probably get to a level where you need to referee more challenging football to to improve, and I think that's where your exchange programs and things like that help. But you know, to get to where you have already is a real achievement given the size of and resources that Gibraltar has. It is um, being a small country. It, it, it brings up a lot of challenges. Some of them work well for us because I just gave you an example of how we, we, we deal with our grassroots referees by bringing them in with our National League referees. But then as a small country, like other small countries in Europe, um, we've got to work hard to, to, to get benefits in refereeing if we, if we want our referees to get better. But that's the challenge and that's what we do, trying to get our referees to be better, um, hoping that... More, more, more young people get into refereeing and, and, and see what we have to offer. Is any of your referees that have gone or, and participated in UEFA tournaments or competition, have they been able to referee with VAR? No. Or not yet? Not no. Yet. Um, VAR, it's only covered by, by elites and category ones and, uh, and it's quite difficult because obviously for you to, to be considered as VAR uh, match official, the league needs to have it. Yeah. Thinking for the future, I've, personally I'm hoping that, that FIFA will come up with, uh, with low budget VAR systems and they, they, they mentioned that to me last year when I went to one of the workshops 
and I think it's now on the website that they are, they are looking into that. It's now official that they are working on, on low-budget VAR systems so that other countries can can use it. But for small countries, it's expensive. It's human resources-wise, it's a drain on, on the ref, on referees. So those are, these are the issues that, that, that small countries have with VAR. Make sure to follow RefCoach across all of our social media channels. On Facebook, search RefCoach. Our Instagram handle is RefCoachOfficial. And on Twitter, you can follow us at TheRefCoach. So Adrian, you mentioned a couple of times you have the one pitch and you can get everyone together. Uh, I'm pretty sure Jack, you mentioned that, you know, well, we were doing some research. Uh, that was quite interesting how, you know, there is everything. It's so concentrated in, in the one hotspot for football. Uh, so definitely, you know, as you mentioned before as well, being that small also has its pros because surely when you get to coaching your referees, that would make your life so much easier. How do you organize your coaches and your referee coaches to to do that, to coach your referees? <laughs> as you say, it's been, as we are such, such a small country that uh, for us it's, it's, it's very easy. Um, I've got two other colleagues who help me in, in, in the technical instruction of referees, apart from the coach. So we meet collectively on, on twice a week. Tuesdays and Thursdays. There they do they they do the fitness training with their with their fitness coach, and we put in some technical work into it. So they do some they do fitness training, and at the same time they're practicing their skills uh, with, for example, a, a penalty or foul outside the the penalty area simulation exercises, yeah, integrated training sessions. So it's quite easy for us because of our of our size. The problem is with facilities. What facilities can we use? Um, we, we have the Victoria Stadium. There are small pitches around there as well. But there's, a, there's a lot of use of that. The club's training uh, and grassroots football. Government has already done two other sport, sporting facilities, which should be... One of them is practically finished, so it has been used. Uh, what It caters for rugby, cricket and football training. And there's another one which hasn't been yet, yet finished, which is at an athletic stadium and football football ground. Hopefully, come come the beginning of the next of the new season in 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 August, we will have two extra facilities for for training, um, and our referees can can at least train in a in a, in a full sized football pitch on Tuesdays and and first and first days. And what about the winter training camp that you run for your referees? Does that coincide with a, a winter break, which is in the Gibraltar League? Yeah, we're Gibraltarian, Gibraltarian league. Gibraltarian, my apologies. There we go. Gibraltarian. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 it's often that people call, call us Gibraltar. I don't know, but it's weird. Gibraltarian. It's all right, Adrian. You that's, need that's to right. you need to know that Jack. Uh, it's not the first time on a podcast that he completely mis, mis mispronounces something. Uh, we had a problem with the <laughs> with the American uh, national uh, intercollegiate um, system. I don't which. I don't remember, Jack. You, you, the correct pronunciation is think. I think it's Nisoa, but we all said Nisoa. Uh, yeah. So Nisoa. and the funny thing is that I'm the Italian of the group. So. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, yeah. I digress. Yeah, yeah. the Gibraltar the National League stops for Christmas. So that's always been the case. Uh, they stop the weekend before Christmas and they 
they would they would normally renew completely uh, the weekend after the the new year. But I I managed to convince the Gibraltar FA to extend that Christmas break for one more weekend. So we use the the first weekend after the the new year for our, our winter winter camp. So in effect, it only it don't stops it stops clubs from starting on the fourth or fifth of January from playing football. Basically, they will not start until fourteenth, more or less. So they have three weeks of for, for for a winter break, and and we'll use that last weekend. In fact, it's five days from, from normally runs from a Wednesday to a Sunday when we take our referees away for the FIFA supported winter. Fantastic. Well, what are the some of the things that you guys do? What what sort of activities do you get to do with your referees? Uh, do you prefer prepare for the second half of the season? Do you do any analysis of the first half of the season? Yeah, the, the way it works is that FIFA sends a, a technical instructor and a fitness instructor mm-hmm. to the camp. So they come with the learning material from FIFA. We also have to provide learning material for our own referees from our own leagues. So in my case, what we do is we, we review the season up to just before the Christmas break with videos and, and uh, discussions and expectations, whilst FIFA produces all the material that they give to all the member countries in FIFA. For. So it's, it's classroom environment and, and the training field. And we also get our referees to do some matches from involving professional teams that are doing their own winter camp in, 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 the, in, in the zone that we go to. So we normally get teams from Germany, from Scandinavian countries and from Switzerland, and some from from the from the Far East, and our referees get to do some matches in that. And we also record those matches, and we offer that those matches as learning material as we analyze the performance of the referee the previous day. So it's it's quite it's it's very intensive, hectic, and we also include a, a, the fitness test during our winter camp. Fantastic! It sounds like a real opportunity for the for the group to go away together and not only work on things, but also, I guess, to bond, to be able to go away. You know, I know it's a real community. One of the benefits that we've had, apart from reference side of things, obviously, one of the benefits that we've had is that they become closer, the referees, they become better friends, for want of a better word, because um, they live together for five days and they organise themselves with playing table tennis or billiards or one of them, a couple of them takes up the, the playstations and, and, and they actually do competitions in the evenings after dinner. Well, some of them, some of them might not play because they're, they're exhausted after the, the hard work that they do, but it, it creates, it creates this team environment. Yeah? Some, some of our referees, they will limit where they're going to do the match. Not everyone, not every referee goes to the collective training because of work, because of travel distance if they're living in Spain. The times that we do for training is not convenient for everybody. We get the bulk of them going, but not everyone. So that's the, the first opportunity that we had was maybe three, four years ago when we started this, is all of them living together for five days. And, and, and it's incredible. I think that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. As, as, a, as, a, as a coach, as a referee manager, you, you get to know people better. Yeah, you yeah. think, uh, I, know, I know Jack, and when we go to the five days winter camp, Oh, Jack! Jack is a better person than what I thought. Ah, uh, no. <laughs> oh, things like that. No, uh, <laughs> things like that. Things like that. Yeah. You, know, you do some team building exercises, and 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 you realize who are going to be the leaders, and who are the ones that will. You see, uh, he's not going to be a referee. He will prefer someone else being the leader, and things like that. So it, it's it's quite it's it's an eye opener. Being small, we also offer this this winter camp apart from our national league referees. We also offer it to some of our younger referees who are coming up. 
a pelada so that they can see what the work that we do and and the opportunities that they get if, if they like refereeing. That's brilliant. And it, it gives such an opportunity for your referees. And I think it comes back to what we talk about pretty much all the time on this podcast is about, you know, to be a good referee, you've got to be a good human or at least treat people like humans. And it really sounds like on this training camp that you've, your referees have had the opportunity for the first time to, to bond as humans and as referees, which has allowed you guys yes. to, to just make things better and better. That's right. Yep. Yep. Like all our, all our workshops and seminars, we, we, we encourage discussion and, and so that we make big small groups so that everybody gets involved. The typical classroom, as I used to be as a student, would sit at the back of the class and avoid being asked anything and just think about playing football after that. Um, so we, we, we encourage every, every, every referee, no matter his experience, to, to, to come up with, uh, with answers to what we're discussing. It's interesting. I enjoy it. And, and the feedback that we get from our referees when we... We, we we analyze what they think about our work is that they they, they enjoy it. Um, sometimes you say, well, we should put in a, a social visit to some place whilst we are away uh, in the end of one evening. But, but then all they say, but we are so tired that we just want to have dinner and go to bed. <laughs> not, not bother going out in the evening. So, but then it's five days, but it's it's continuous. It's 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 not. It's, when we started taking our referees, some of them thought it was going to be holiday camp. Because they had not been exposed to 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 a to a to anything of this nature, so then they realize it's all one thing after the other. Keep to the tank table and change and go training and come back and go into a classroom and, and have your meal when we tell you, and, and so things like that. So for them, for some of them, it was a culture shock when we first started, but then now they're all used to and to it and looking forward to it. When we had because of COVID, we could not do it this January, but we started plans to hold it in Gibraltar, and and we were. A week away from doing it in Gibraltar, but then Gibraltar went into a second lockdown, so everything was cancelled. Yeah. But when we, I was planning to uh, to do it in Gibraltar, we asked our referees, "You come to the to the to the to the watch to the camp, but in the evenings you can go home, back to your families, and the following morning you come in." And and most of them said, "No, no, we we like the idea of staying in the same place overnight. That's our main things. Apart from the work that we do, is that we're there as a family, so we were mm-hmm. actually going to stay overnight." even though some of us live five minutes away from the hotel that we normally use. But it didn't happen because of COVID. But it's something to keep in mind. They're not only looking for, for the, the work that they're going to do and, and the learning experience that they get, but actually sharing time yeah. as roommates. Yeah, one of the best things I remember from when I used to referee in Italy was, you know, every Thursday night after training, we would all go as a team to have pizza and a beer at the, at the local restaurant. And... You know, we had that camaraderie because we were all from the same area when, when I started, you know, we were in the local branch. So there was that sense of belonging and we were we were in it together. So we all had each other's backs. And and that's something that you don't develop unless you actually hang out outside of refereeing. Uh, I know even here in Australia, um, in Jack, now on Thursdays, there used to be a, a tradition of going to the pub uh, and just, you know, have, have a meal together. That's always helped to to build it, the team feeling, the team culture. You you don't become, because at the end of the day, we're all just competing for a spot. And I imagine with the number of referees you have, everyone is uh, is competing for that one spot to try and get into the, the next step. 
but at the same time it's it's healthy competition because at the end of the day you're all in it together Adrian, I think it was really interesting for us to to learn more and listen and hear about such a unique and and different reality. Obviously, we are used to something very different, especially if you think about Australia, where we are now. We are such a big country with, uh, you know, such big distances compared to to what your reality is. So it was definitely interesting and and so insightful. So thank you for joining us tonight again. Uh, I hope everyone that listened to the podcast uh, found it as interesting as we did. And uh, I hope you guys will be able to get back to your league very soon. And uh, thank you again for joining us. Thank you. It's been my pleasure speaking to you guys. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to hear more, hit the subscribe button. For more referee education, join our Facebook group and become a RefCoach member for free at refcoach.org. If you like the work we do, you can support us by purchasing a RefCoach whistle to show that you are part of the RefCoach community when you're out on the pitch.